you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, welcome to another fun episode of The Chris Voss Show. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to show the, share the show with your family, friends, and relatives. Go to the usual places, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss. Goodreads.com for just Chris Voss. The Chris Voss show is on TikTok now. You can go over there under Chris Voss one, I think it is on TikTok and you can see us posting clips of the show and uh, some of the different fun things from my life, uh, the Siberian Huskies of my life and all that kind of craziness. Anyway, guys, go check all that out. Goodreads.com for just Chris Voss. Today, we're going to be talking about the queen mum. May she rest in peace. Uh, she recently passed away, but we're going to be talking about her life and uh, some of the things that went into it. We have author Mr. Gareth. Russell is on the show with us today. His new book comes out November 1st, 2022. It's called Do Let's Have Another Drink, The Dry Wit and Fizzy Life of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother is going to be on the show with us talking about his amazing new book that just came out. And he is educated at Oxford University and Queen's University, Belfast. He is a historian, novelist, and playwright. He is the author of The Ship of Dreams, Young and Damned and Fair. What's the story of my young life? Anyway, <laughs> kidding. The Emperors and an illustrated introduction to the Tudors. He lives in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Welcome to the show, Gareth. How are you? Very well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. We have uh, quite a few Irish, Ireland, Irish, Irish friends that come on the show. So uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. We're glad to have another one from the, the beautiful state of the beautiful countryside of Ireland, state, country, whatever you want to call it. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe I should have some whiskey at this point. Yeah, always. That's always a good idea. Always a good idea. So welcome to the show. Give us a dot com, wherever you want people to find out more about you and follow you on you the can, web bitches. On the on the vast hinterlands of social media, you can find me on underscore Gareth Russell at G R E T H R U S S E L on Instagram and also on Facebook. I like to post on this day and information about the books on Gareth Russell, historian and author. There you go. So on this book, it's titled Do Let's Have Another Drink. Tell us a little bit for the American audience why you chose the title of that book. So there's a very distinct, it's not even a dialect, it's technically a sociolect because it's really a sort of upper class accent. Uh, Some Mm. people are surprised. The, The late Queen Mother Elizabeth II's mother was Scottish, but she doesn't sound what we would imagine a Scottish accent to sound like. Mm. And that's because there's an accent called received pronunciation, which is the upper class accent. Uh, think of Mary and Downton Abbey and you've got it. And mm. the, in, they have their own special syntax. And in, in how they say, do let's have another drink, they hit the do hard, do let's have another drink. And it's really a filler word that tries to get you to misbehave slightly and to mm. say that you, you should have fun and do let's have another one. And apparently it was what the Queen Mother used to to, to try to say to people to get them to throw off their meetings after lunch uh-huh. and have a nice gin and duboni. So it was one of her catchphrases, one of her sayings, and I thought it was perfect for the book. And you recount in the book 101, one for each year of a remarkable life, amusing and astounding vignettes 
from across her long life. Tell us about what that means and what that entails. Yeah. So the, she was born, the Queen Mother was born in, in Scotland. I was, well, she was a member of the Scottish aristocracy. She was born in 1900. She died in 2002, shortly before she celebrated her 102nd birthday. Mm-hmm. So because there were 101 birthdays, I thought, let's do 101 anecdotes. And the book is grouped together into 10 chapters, one for each decade of a really remarkable life. I start each chapter with a little introduction to what was happening in the world in Elizabeth's life and then share anecdotes about some of her feuds, some of her fallings out and some of and stories that were told to me that have never been published before about her life and her sense of humour. So mm. really, this is designed in a way that I hope the Queen Mother would like, which is that it's supposed to be that you can dip into it, enjoy an anecdote. And as I say in the book, listen, that these are stories that you can tell over a drink or a really good meal with even better company than I've done my job right. It's supposed to be somewhere between a biography, a travel guide to a world that is gone, and and a series of fun stories to, to tell and discuss. There you go. So was it always over booze, or just was it tea? You know, was no. It- there, well, she looked. She could handle her drink. I mean, mm-hmm. like she really, she she could handle it. And there's a great story that was told to me by someone who worked for the royal household here in Northern Ireland. And in 1988, the Queen Mother was 87. She came over. It was the height of the troubles here, so security was quite tight. And at Hillsborough Castle, which is the official royal residence in Northern Ireland, the Queen Mother invited several sort of strapping generals who had been on service there and and their wives. And there, there's an event in sort in sort of more formal dinner is called the Loyal Toast, where you stand up and toast the Queen. So the Queen Mother gets up and toasts her daughter. Everyone has a nice drink. And she says, you know, under the circumstances, let's toast the people of Northern Ireland. So everyone has another drink. Northern Ireland has six counties. She knew all of the names and she toasted each one of them. And she was completely clear-headed, but I am reliably informed that after she left, a general threw up in the umbrella stand. So she, 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 could, she certainly enjoyed her drinks. I made a lot of them because research is so important mm-hmm. but uh, no, she she enjoyed food some of the, the earlier stories are really focused on her time during as a teenager during the first world war so they're less they're less upbeat and less amusing but the stories later on uh, there's a lot of them told over alcohol a lot told about scotland and just this incredible joy that she had for life right into her 90s and she loved walking in scotland drinking eating good food, meeting people from all backgrounds. So I find that uh, that kind of zest for life just very engaging to write about. And I try to capture that in the book. There you go. There you go. So it sounds like she had a pretty good time. I mean, you know, it's, if, if I had to live through that age, I'd probably have drank a lot too. Yeah, there's her, her younger daughter, Princess Margaret, said that she people celebrated her mother, you know, approaching her 100th birthday and Princess Margaret said, well, actually, it's quite sad because mummy doesn't have anyone left alive that she can discuss her childhood with or memories with. She can't say, mm-hmm. do you remember? There was a sadness really by the end. She'd lost so many people. Um, but I think she she did, she really, one of the things I talk about in the book is that she was 14 years old when Britain declared war in Germany in 1914. And she lived through the First World War and saw really horrific things. One of her brothers was killed. The others were either physically or mentally destroyed by it. She lost 15 friends in the trenches. And I think that it gave her this inner steel in her personality, but also a sense that you have to enjoy today because tomorrow really is not promised. 
That is true. That is true. Most most people put off pleasure and happiness today because they, yeah. they, you know, they're striving and, and some never achieve it. You know, one of my friends, when I was young in my, you know, I was still in my 20s, one, an older gentleman who worked for me, I think he was in his 60s or late 50s. He told me, he says, you know, he was complaining to me about uh, going to funerals with his friend for his friends. And he said to me, he said, Chris, there's a, uh, always stuck with me. He says, Chris, there's a time in your life where you go to weddings. There's a time in your life we go to funerals. Yeah. And you watch all your friends kind of disappear around you. And it gets a little lonely, especially if you live a long life. And I imagine, you know, would you say 101 she lived to? Yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, you know, you, you end up outliving even like some of your children sometimes. Well, she did. And she lived, uh, sadly, her youngest daughter, Princess Margaret, died six weeks before her. Wow. Stroke. So... And her son-in-law, but the Queen Mother's son-in-law, Prince Philip, who of course passed away last year, he at ninety-nine, quite he made a joke and said, "I really do not want to live to a hundred like my mother-in-law has because it's awful." He said, "It's really awful." You know, he said she has just, and it actually got to the stage where she kind of stopped going to funerals because it had wow. gotten there were just there were too many of them. Wow. So. I think you're absolutely, it is something that when I started doing this book, actually, a friend of mine said, this is going to be so interesting to see how a life changes when it's that long. Yeah. You know? and, and so did you find that when you, as you went through it and researched I it? I did. I find certain things as she got older, not callous isn't the right word, but there was certainly an element of, of she had become slight. It's interesting. She would cry at the memorial service for veterans. Mm. On the 11th of November, because mm. that was what she, that had been set up right after the, the tradition after the First World War in Britain. But she wasn't always by in her 90s that affected by people dying. Mm. And I think to me, that is the effect of, of living through that many bereavements and that loss. Yeah. And when she was at the memorial service, she felt like she was 18 again. And it was, you know, and to me, that was so fascinating to see. Mm. And the other thing I think she she became slightly less trusting understandably because she you know she was very popular you know she came from a large family they had lots of friends she had a wonderful time when she was a debutante in london high society in the early 1920s mm-hmm. but i think what she learned after she married into the royal family and i'm sure this is true of people in most positions of public prominence Mm-hmm. is that people that she thought were her friends were telling her one thing and telling rumors or lies about her behind her back. Yeah. And, 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 and the thing that I think really shocked her was that for years, decades, she had been considered herself really good friends with a high society, very celebrated photographer called Cecil Beaton. Mm. And Cecil had, she had intervened directly to get Cecil a knighthood, a Sir Cecil Beaton, that mm. had been denied to him for years because the government knew he was a homosexual and they didn't oh. want to give it to him. And so she directly intervened and got it for him. Mm. And Cecil, and in the 1980s, and she wouldn't, she refused to go to his funeral because after, because just before, oh, sorry, his memorial, didn't go to the funeral, wouldn't go to the memorial service because segments from his diary were published in which he had, you know, he'd been making fun of how fat she was and how bad her teeth were wow. for years and she thought well we were i thought we were friends wow. and i think she realized a lot of people that if you're someone of public prominence you can't trust a lot of people so i think she became slightly less trusting of people around her as she got older i can see how you become jaded by something like yeah, that absolutely. and uh, you know you, you just be like you know people are mean you know i've 
I've seen what people say about me on the internet. It's a, uh, it's, yeah. I remember catching someone once on Twitter and there, there was two people having a conversation about me and they're like, I hate that Chris Voss. He's so annoying. He puts out so much content. He's always blabbing his big mouth. And the other person's like, yeah, he has a big mouth. And the other person's like, yeah, but I still follow him. And the other person's like, what? You still follow him? And he's like, and they were like, yeah, because I'm just waiting to see the car crash. And that was about 10 years ago. So they, they're <laughs> It got a long ass wait. In fact, but I think I've outlived you, Like that's the thing. You, <laughs> you kind of. I, I think it's. I mean, that. I, yeah, I've heard that. It's. It's just my. I just like stuff like. Screw that guy. I get that all the time on YouTube. <laughs> Screw that guy. I saved the comment from like 13 years ago. They're like this guy's a fake. He's gonna go out of business next year, and the comments are 13 years now. Here we are. So it, it sounds like a fun celebration of her life. Would you describe it as that? Yeah, absolutely. I find a lot more there to like than dislike. I mean, I think always list, oh, any author that tells you they're completely impartial is the one who's trying to hide mm. something from you. That's just, mm. a, you're, you know, you're not writing a budget report. You're writing a, a biography or a book. I always think the historians who say, oh, I didn't really have an opinion or, or I was completely impartial. They were partial. They just don't want anyone to figure it out. And I always, you know, I, I just, I've read biographies where I think the historian's too harsh or too sympathetic to their subject, but I like a historian that will tell you upfront, this is kind of where I landed. Mm. I find a lot more to like and admire about her than otherwise. There certainly were traits that were not as commendable or likable in there in the book too. Mm. Uh, she had a, an absolutely Olympian ability to hold a grudge. It was, I mean, really, she let nothing go. And... For some people, and then other people, she could be surprisingly forgiving for it. Was a, huh. It was it was tenacious but inconsistent as a trait. Um, it's like all my ex-girlfriends. Some of them still have a grudge against me. I, I, I yeah, some of them, some, yeah, exactly. I just assume that they do. Tenacious right. Yeah, and I, and you know, and, but also, mm -hmm. I just, I, I really, I also was aware that just with the nature of what time is and how it passes that i was hopefully in a position where i could talk to people who knew her and preserve their memories mm. for you know before before we can't do that anymore and that people were so kind and funny it was a really it was a different book to write because it was mm. dealing with living people and it was it was hugely entertaining and also i think just as we're, we're talking about kind of the power of memory and looking back there is something I take it, it to me. It's an honor that when people kind of take you down the, the garden path of their memories, but there's something really nice about seeing people in light up as they tell their memories, mm. uh, you know, and it was, I loved it. I really, really loved writing this book and it, it made me laugh, you know, writing it. It really mm. did. I was, I was so entertained. So I hope, I hope readers are too. Well, I imagine, you know, from the title of the book, do let's have another drink, you know, you, you would entertain around drinks and food and, and stuff. Yeah. I and mean, that was part of her job probably as, as queen to, you know, entertain and, and uh, totally. do all that sort of thing. Yeah. Hi, Vokesters Voss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching, speaking, 
and Training Courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, uh, I think I can offer a wonderful breadth of information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Now back to the show. It's and it, it feeds in, you know, she was born an Earl's daughter. Her, her father was Lord Strathmore. Her mother, Cecilia, was his countess. There was still a, it was still a world in which a lot of business of politics and, 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 and building networks was done over lunches and dinners and shooting weekends. And she really continued that on. She believed really strongly that hospitality and display helped Britain's reputation on the international stage. And she also believed if you had a guest that you, you made them feel special. That she mm-hmm. took being a hostess very seriously. So what she would do is she would keep a very detailed list of who gave her what gift. Mm-hmm. And if they came to stay for the weekend, she made sure that gift was brought out and displayed somewhere so that they saw that. So I think, yeah, she absolutely took host, uh, you know, good food and good drink and good company seriously because it can build networks. Although I, I <laughs> she, she's a very temperamental chef at one point in the 1980s. Now you have quite a few books. How many books do you have? I'm looking at a whole pile of them here on the. Uh, I should have an answer. That's sick. I think at least eight, maybe it, one, two, it, three. It, it, right? yeah, it, 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 yeah. Let's go with it. It. I'm gonna. I'm just throwing that out. Now there's another book that I see here. Do let's have another drink with a different cover. Is that uh, that'll be our British cover? It's so that's the British book. cover. Yeah, the right? black and gold one's the British one. Yeah, uh, that's kind of interesting how it's different on the thing. Yeah. There. Um, I, you know, I, it's it's great when you have a book with two different covers and you like them both because it mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen. We have we have sometimes we've had uh, Canadian authors on and they'll have like two different covers for the Canadian books for like novels and stuff. Really, kind of yeah. that is interesting because my so this is published by Simon and Schuster and it's exa- and it's the same in the U.S. and Canada, so it's exactly the same cover and edition. Mm. So that's interesting. Well, it's different with novels. In fact, you know, not novels. I, I think I've heard that. That it's fiction. Sometimes they do different covers. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's interesting what they do. I think the American cover was a bit more racy, and the Canadian cover of recent novels was was a bit more. I don't know. It was more. You know, it wasn't racy. Let's put it that way. Okay. Go um, ahead, yeah. You wrote this. You wrote, I think, a couple books on the uh, Titanic. I think is that correct? Did, well, so they that was that was even more complicated. That had a different title in Britain as well. Yeah. A different cover, but it's just one. Yeah. So the Ship of Dreams I wrote on the Titanic. That was my book there before that. And you've written about the English monarchy, yep. the emperors, emperor uh, Europe's rulers. So you've written a lot of great history books. I figured we'd throw them in as a plug sure. so that people can check out your work there as well. What was what was the what was it about this book that kind of set you set it apart from some of the other books you've done on on European history? I mean, I suppose the Titanic book. I mean, just where I'm talking to you now is two streets over from where Thomas Andrews, who designed the Titanic, lived and and left mm-hmm. from to go on board. Wow. So. So when I say, so the reason why I kind of prefix this slightly with that caveat is I was obviously aware writing Titanic and Thomas Andrews is one of the six figures I look at in my book, The Ship of Dreams. I was aware that he still has family alive, but 
it's not the same as the people still as friends and sources being alive. So really what was particularly different with do let's have another drink is you were sitting down to interview people, which which I didn't obviously have to, could do with any of the other ones. The first half of the book, because she lived such a long life was the same going back and looking at diaries and unpublished archives and things like that. But, but it really was the interview component for the second half of do let's have another drink. That was so different. This also was just a lighter, more conversational book than some of the other ones. So this is really trying to share facts in a, in a, in a conversational over a drink sort of way. The others are are narrative books of history. Yeah. I had two great grandmothers. One time in my life, I had a grandmother, a great grandmother, and a great great grandmother a lot. Wow. And they lived to be, I think it was a hundred something or close to that. Or something. But yeah, and and uh, yeah, it was it was wild. I would tell people, you know, I have three grandparents alive. They're like, really? Like my grandmother's dead, you know, and I was like, well, I have three of them on one side and I don't know, they just, West Virginia, they lived a very hard life, you know, they had houses and stuff. So, but they, they saw a lot in their lifetime. I remember going up to their house when I was a kid at four and, uh, you know, they still had old washboards. I think I, I bathed in the giant sink and uh, they had out, out houses and their life was still very in the 70s and yeah. the things they must have saw you know even the recent queen mum who passed away you know I, I would have loved to have sat down with her and just got like i'm she probably would have never given it to me but just got some of her straight opinions on everyone from churchill to every you know yeah. the president she lived through of our country i mean she's seen some things man well, and it, it would be it, interesting it, it, to just hear your perspective. Yeah, I suppose that was sort of with Elizabeth II, I think everyone wanted to know. Yeah. And and there, there are rumors that you hear about people that she liked and didn't like, but it's always quite hard to credit them. And yeah. I think the thing with an... Ex- I think because the 20th century, this is the same with your great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents in particular, is when you have a century that is as much of a change as the 20th mm-hmm. century is, it's not just the, the factor of the longevity, it's the social factors weighing into that. If you were someone who somehow managed to live from 1600 to 1700, you will have seen major political events, but you won't have seen daily life change that significantly. If you live from 1900 to 2000, you are it's a completely unrecognizable world. Yeah. It totally. And I mean, we went from, we went from buggies and carts to cell phones. Yeah. And I uh, find it, I find out when she was, um, when the queen mother I was writing about when she was eight years old, her tutors asked her to write a little essay called a recent invention, airplanes. Hmm. And she writes about <laughs> airplanes look like cigars and they have big propellers, but they're not safe and you can't travel in them. <laughs> And it's just, and then while she's writing this, her mother's friend, the Countess of Rothes, is booking a ticket to sail on the Titanic. Like, it's just when you sort of start to think (laughs) of of, of the sheer panorama of history that uh, that Elizabeth Bowes Lyons saw, it's absolutely extraordinary. Uh That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, it, I like it, that. It looks like a cigar and it's not very safe. It's, it was her assessment of, of, of early airplanes. You know, I still I still think, you know, what, what did we recently do? We recently crashed a satellite because, you know, just fuck it. 300 and somewhat million dollars. We're just like, yeah, let's ram that into a rock into space because, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. He got 
we needed stuff to do, man. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, how I, I think of it still, I, I love flight and any, that moment that you take off from the plane and you feel the wind or the air catch the wings and you lift. And I, yeah. I, I always, for some reason, just think of, you know, the, the Wright brothers and, and how far that we came in, in just less than a century. And, you know, here we are throwing crap into rocks and space, yeah. just going, yeah, let's go to the Mars, you know? And we'll see, but we'll see what happens. Throw something, see what, see where it lands. Yeah. You're just like, you're just like, if, if we could bring those people back and they could just see what we're up to with the, yeah. you know, with what they did. And they're just like, we were trying to just get this stupid thing to fly for five feet, man. He's <laughs> <laughs> just throwing shit in space. rocks just because, uh, I don't know, he just felt like it. So, <laughs> it's crazy. So there you go. Anyway, it's more you want to tease out on the book, Gareth, before we go. No, I, th- I, mean, I think, look, I think for people who are more interested in some of the of her, of her friendships or feuds with people like Wallace Simpson or Diana Princess of Wheels, that is all in there as well. But I, I hope really that this is a different kind of book that people can really enjoy and feel like they're having a conversation with. There you go. There you go. Well, definitely, I'm sure the peak of interest in the history of Britain is even more so now. People are you know, then now you can write about the her daughter, right? Is that yeah? That, the, that, that, that sequel. <laughs> there you go. You got the sequel yeah. going, and then <laughs> probably one write about the new guy. He seems kind of he seems well, kind of well, well, Wait till he's gone. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's apparently incredibly healthy. He he is he really? Yeah, he walks everywhere. He and also they're just. I mean, if he has anything like the the, the Queen Mother's family are border on immortal. So yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I mean, it's the first time. I mean, how long has it been since they've had an official king in in England? Seventy years. Seventy years. So Seven, there 70, you go. Yeah, seventy. So nineteen fifty-two. Is our interpretation? I, I saw him doing some honoryish things where when he was signing, I think some sort of declaration. He was he was buttering about about some so buttering i don't know if that's the right word he was like telling someone get get the ink out yeah of the way you have, well it really is it, the thing is it's there it really should not have been there because if you spill it it's considered like the worst open possible so i think it, there you it, go. it really needed to move is that why um, he was is that why he was like get yeah, that away it, from it, me i don't the other thing was it needed to move because his son is left-handed so it needed to be moved ah. out of the way but also you just you you have about two seconds before the press gets a photograph and turns it into something there was an absolutely <laughs> brilliant moment in when he came to Northern Ireland and he's done them. I mean, his charity work here in particular is uh, probably the most extraordinary in, in wow. recent times with the Prince's trust, but he, <clears throat> he, he was signing the guest book and they gave him another fountain pen. And as someone who uses them, I know what happened. You just saw him realize that the pen had been held the wrong way and it was pulling in. Oh, geez. But, but he turned around and he said, what date is it? And some behind him said, oh, it's the 13th, sir. Or what it says. And he said, is it? Oh no! I mean, I means I signed the I just signed the date wrong, and then his wife Camilla said, "You also signed it wrong at the other two stops." He's like, "What?" He just sort of realizes that he's been going through making these mistakes. He got quite angry there, but he's it's a lot think, to do. I think absolutely. Yeah. The thing that's what's interesting, I'm sure you see this as well with with American politics, is sometimes only the most sensational bits are shown outside the country. Whereas I think we, you know, he, he's much more popular here than he is abroad. Absolutely. And oh, I really? think that, yeah, that's absolutely a testament to the Prince's trust, which is uh, whatever you think of monarchy or, or, or Prince Charles, the charity he set up the Prince's trust to help the inner cities and to help the young people of Britain has done absolutely extraordinary work. 
There we go. There we go. Well, good stuff then. The, uh, you know, I, I think we still haven't forgiven for Diana. I think that's. There's, there's, it's, and it's interesting. I think, you know, I, Diana was something here, here, a great deal of admiration for. I do sometimes wonder at the tendency that people seem to, would like Camilla to walk through life with a scarlet A on her chest. It's, you know, I, I that to me seems a, a bit baffling. I think, you know, I, I, I don't know other, if we can judge someone by, the by by the mistakes of their private life although i completely understand i i've relatives who absolutely adored diana and haven't and haven't forgiven him either really but, so i don't feel so bad then yeah so oh, just, i mean it was just you diana was such a beautiful person but i don't know you know sometimes marriages don't work out yeah but, that's uh, it's a part of the, it's part of the the tragedy i think of well i suppose what we've been talking about kind of the the the, the possibilities of people i suppose and i think there is I mean, do you know, I also wonder what would have happened things sometimes if she lived longer, would things have not the marriage repaired itself, but would their relationship have become a bit more harmonious for the sake of their mm. sons? Who, who knows? But no, he, he's, it's an interest. It's just, it's even, even from a syntax perspective, it's a, it, it took a while when we were doing commentary for, for remember it's the king. You know, that's just because no, there's really no one working in media today who's had to say the phrase the king for mm -hmm. quite some time. There you go. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, especially that whole dynamic with his two sons and the yeah. daughter of American yeah. daughter who's who's a bit of a troublemaker as us Americans are. You know, I mean, here we've here we've come back and infected the the Europeans with our with our Yankeeism. You know, what's the Yankee is a good phrase actually. Yankees, what's the old line from the Who? We won't get fooled again. Evidently <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pete Townsend. Anyway, it's been wonderful, Gareth, to have you. Thank on. you very much for having me. Very fun, as I'm sure the book is. Give us your plugs again so people can find you. Yeah, on the of course. Internet. You can find me on underscore Gareth Russell on Instagram and on Gareth Russell, historian and author on Facebook. There you go. Thank you again for coming. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And again, order of the book wherever fine books are sold, November 1st, 2022. It's out. Do. Let's have another drink. I should be able to say that with that. Do, dearie, let's have another drink. <laughs> Dude, let's have another drink. The dry wit and fizzy life of Queen Elizabeth and the Queen, or I'm sorry, the Queen Mother. Let me cut that one more time. Do, let's have another drink. The dry wit and fizzy life of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother. Thanks for tuning in to my audience. Go to goodreads.com for says Chris Voss, all of our places on the interwebs. You can see us wherever we are. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.